has risen. It is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from another world. Greetings. This is Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host, Andrew Carey. If you enjoy our podcast, please spread the word. Tell your family, friends, and co-workers. Blood Moon Podcast can be found on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Audible, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are looking to bring to life strange stories. If you have a true experience or a tall tale to share, submit your story at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Jane from Florida is back with another haunting true story, or what we call a black cat story. Just a couple of weeks before we got married in August of 1973, my husband Chuck took me to meet his grandfather. He was in a nursing home and in poor health. He couldn't speak, so instead he just looked at us. Around that time, we rented an old cottage where we would begin our new life together. The place was close to the neighborhood where Chuck grew up, therefore it seemed safe. I moved into the cottage right after we got married. Our new home overlooked Brown's Pond. However, it was well concealed from the main road. It was located behind a gas station where the trees and bushes created the darkness that surrounded our home. The area became a secret location for teenagers to hang out and drink booze. (laughs) 
There were also a gang of punks that hung out in the gas station's lot. They were a nasty bunch that caused many problems. Right from the start, strange things began to happen in the home. The lights would flicker, but we assumed that it was caused by old, faulty wiring. Pictures and objects would pop off the wall and fall to the ground. One day, I was home alone when suddenly I heard a loud crash. I ran into the bathroom and was surprised to find the shower rack on the floor. The shower rack was newly installed. How was it possible for it to become dislodged? In September, things got weirder. One night, we were sleeping. The TV turned on by itself. The volume was screeching loud, and it scared the heck out of us. We thought someone broke into the house, so we searched the home. No one was found, and we couldn't find a reason why the TV would turn on. It didn't make sense. Although we were shook up, we went back to bed. The next morning, Chuck's family called and told us that his grandfather had passed away the prior evening. We wondered if the TV incident was his grandfather coming back to say goodbye. Even now, we wonder if it was him or possibly just another strange occurrence in the old cottage. One day, we came home to find our belongings scattered across the lawn. We rushed inside to discover that some things were missing and my little puppy was injured. This time, we knew the answer as to how this happened. The gang of punks from the gas station robbed us. The robbery was the last straw. After four months of being haunted by punks and unseen visitors, we moved out. Years later, the old cottage was torn down. Welcome back. An owl has flown in with a couple of close encounter stories from the 1920s. One is about a close encounter of the second kind, and the other is a close encounter of the third kind.
William Lamb is on the hunt through the snowy grounds of Hubble, Nebraska. In the cold, early morning hours of February 22nd, 1922, Lamb stops in his tracks when he hears a crackling noise. His search for game ceases as the noise transitions into a high-pitched sound. It prompts the hunter to look around in the darkness. Finally, he looks up and sees a large circular object blocking out the starlight. In shock, Liam watches the object continue its flight path above the tree line. Then the object emits a brilliant light as it approaches a hollow. As the unusual craft descends, Lamb panics and hides behind a tree. Now, the hunter has lost sight of the glowing object. The brisk air is disrupted as a winged creature appears from the depression where the craft landed. In the starlight, Lamb watches as the remarkable creature lands on the snowy ground like an airplane. It approaches the tree that conceals a now terrified Lamb. Lamb remains silent as the winged creature trudges by the tree, unaware that it's being watched. It must be eight feet tall, Lamb thought. The creature's feet melts the snowy ground, leaving perfect tracks through the woods. As it disappeared into the darkness, Lamb decided to follow its tracks. He came across a barbed wire fence, but the creature's tracks continued on the other side. Did it walk through the fence, or did it take a short flight? The hunter followed the trail for five miles, but never regained sight of the mysterious visitor or its ship. William Lamb was not a stranger to the bazaar. He claims to have seen many aerial phenomena, as well as spotting biblical characters in celestial photographs. Five years after William Lamb's hunt, Richard Swede would have his own close encounter. On October 18, 1927, Swede begins a journey from Bakersfield, California to Yuma, Arizona. He barely makes it out of Bakersfield when he comes across something incredible 
if not impossible. While driving, the traveler spots a weird object in the sky. Swede realizes that it's an aircraft of some kind when it lands near the road not too far ahead. He sees that the strange craft is saucer-shaped and estimates it to be 60 feet in diameter. It has a metallic surface with a blue-gray hue. As Swede drives closer to the landing site, he can hear a sound emanating from the saucer. He would later describe the sound as whining, humming, wheezing, and swishing. The eerie sound becomes louder as he closes in on the saucer. He can now see that it has lens-shaped portholes along its perimeter. As if the saucer notices the intruder, it swiftly lifts off the ground at a 45-degree angle. Its movements are smooth as it quickly accelerates upward into the sky and out of sight. Swede is now perplexed. He stops to inspect the ground where the saucer was resting. He finds that the saucer had an unusual effect on the ground. According to Swede, the sand in the area was fused like glass crystals. The physical trace left behind indicated that the object was emitting extreme heat. Lightning strikes will produce enough heat that will turn sand or silicon dioxide into a form of glass called quartz. This means that the saucer had emitted heat at least 1,760 degrees Celsius or 3,200 degrees Fahrenheit. Swede sighting occurred two decades before the introduction of the term flying saucer and well before the notion of UFOs entered public consciousness. Finally, in 1959, Richard Swede revealed his closely guarded secret to the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Did you have a good trip to the 1920s? Now I have a black cat story from a more recent road trip.
The day after Christmas in 2009, my wife and I took a road trip from California to Texas. After a full day of driving, we stayed overnight at a hotel where my wife made reservations. The hotel was located in a small town called Van Horn. At the time, the town was deserted, and the hotel was the only business in operation. In passing, my wife mentioned to me that the person she spoke with on the phone claimed to have had unexplained events at the hotel. We arrived at the hotel after midnight. After checking in, we went to our room. The room had one bed and one closet. The bathroom was to the right of the closet, not too far from the room's entrance. The room's toilet was to the left, the sink to the right, and the shower was along the back wall. I decided to unwind and read the hockey news magazine while my wife slept. After 20 minutes or so, I turned out the lights and fell asleep. Suddenly, I woke up to the sound of water splashing and swirling. It sounded like it was coming from the tub in our bathroom. It was very loud as if someone was bathing or perhaps struggling. It didn't sound as if it was coming through the walls or from outside. I rolled over to see that my wife was sound asleep. A sense of urgency prompted me to grab my flashlight. By the time I got to the bathroom, the splashing had stopped. No signs of life or activity. I checked all around the bathroom for water or wetness. The water was not running in the sink or in the tub. The tub itself was dry to the touch. The toilet wasn't running and the sink was dry as a bone. Then. I looked out the room's window to see if there was a swimming pool. There was no pool, just the hotel's parking lot. Later, I found out that the hotel does not even have a pool. My wife woke up from my rummaging and I explained to her what happened. She said she didn't hear the splashing and then promptly rolled over and fell asleep. Checking the clock, I saw that it was five in the morning, but it was still pitch black outside. Exhausted, I gave up my search and went back to bed. While sleeping, I heard whispering in my ear.
I woke up, but I kept my eyes closed. I heard a female voice ask, I opened my eyes and responded, Who did what to you? The cascade of whispers moved over to my wife's side of the bed. Again, the voice asked, Expecting to see someone, I looked over to my wife's side of the bed, but no one was present. I grabbed my flashlight to look for vents to see if the voice could have traveled from another room. Nothing. I couldn't hear voices coming through the walls either. The door was locked, therefore, no one could have entered. Finally, I realized that something invisible was in the room. I made an effort to communicate with whomever or whatever spoke to me. There was more to the whispering, but I couldn't make out the words. Once again, I ended up waking my wife. I told her what I experienced. Yet again, she said she did not hear the whispering. This didn't surprise me. She was sleeping with a pillow over her head the entire night as she normally does. At that point, I checked the time, and it was 7 a.m. When we were checking out, we asked the owner if anyone was staying in the rooms on either side of our room. She told us that both rooms were vacant, and strangely enough, we were the only people to occupy that floor. I shared with her my experiences. According to the owner, I was the first to specifically report disembodied voices. She then shared stories of unexplained events witnessed by others. To this day, I still wonder about the implication of the question, who did this to us? On one interesting note, we did learn of a rumor that long ago, a female was murdered at the hotel. The blood moon is setting. If you enjoyed this episode, please review and subscribe to the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Minds, and on Stellar. There you will be kept up to date on what's new with Blood Moon Podcast. You can find the links below the episode's description. Thank you for listening.